Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Your health on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. It is now time for Your Health, where we take a look at personal health and, of course, the business of health. My next guest wears many hats. She is, first of all, a humanitarian doctor who is one of the 40 under 40 awardees by Prestige, recognized for her global contributions in healthcare, philanthropy, and advocacy for underserved communities. She is also an artist and a mom. Amazing. And she's going to be sharing with us her experiences as a humanitarian doctor and what inspired her to engage Gen Z's struggling with mental health challenges. On the line with me is Dr. Tam Waitia, humanitarian doctor and CEO and founder of Kite Song Global. Dr. Tom, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's so much my pleasure to be on air with you. I am not worthy to be speaking with you. Wow, this is amazing, <laughs> the amount so of things funny. you do. Gosh, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about yourself, especially that aspect of moving into become a, a humanitarian doctor. What does that entail? So right now, I'm a mother of two. Singaporean, I am the founder of Kitesong Global, which is an international nonprofit. And I kind of stumbled into becoming a humanitarian outbreak response doctor during COVID. But before that, when I was 18, I had a life-changing experience going to Paul and staying at a children's home for six weeks. And that experience kind of transformed my life because um, at the time, we were evicted out of the home um, traumatically uh, with very little notice. And because of that, I had this desire to build a permanent home for the girls because they had already been abandoned and unwanted. And that's why they were in the home. And because of that um, experience where I felt that there was so much I wanted to do, and yet this dream just seemed so silly, so incredulous almost. And yet it happened. The impossible happened. The the book got published. um, More than $100,000 was raised. The children grew up in that permanent home. And so that experience kind of etched a mark in my life, which told me about the power of faith in our small dreams, or rather even big dreams. And so I think that's what um, kind of spurred me on to want to serve the underserved. And that's how I started my journey in this um, humanitarian area. <laughs> I got to admit, I'm very sensitive to things like aura, you know, so you can sort of tell if a person is project a good energy in that sense. Considering the amount of challenges you must have seen as a humanitarian doctor, how do you stay so positive and what was your biggest challenge? Wow, I would say that it is true when you're on the field, you see a lot of tragedy and trauma, and that takes a lot to take in and soak up, especially in our very um, safe environment in Singapore. And I think what really spurs me on is, to, is realizing that the gratitude that I have for what I own, what I, the people around me, and I think it's, it's my faith inside that spurs me on because it's such a privilege to be able to be a part of a bigger adventure. Like this whole story about how um, a book raised $100,000 when I was 18, when I was feeling depressed and having low self-esteem as a teenager, you know, and how that all came together, to me, is, is a miracle. And I think just being a part of these grand adventures of life helps us to write these epic chapters in our own lives and in the lives of others. And for me, that whole process is very exciting. And so (laughs) I guess that's what keeps me going. (laughs) Wow. I I wish I had an hour to speak to you. Uh, I feel like writing a a book about your life story. It's so amazing. Dr. Tom, help me out with this. Which makes you better? Being a humanitarian doctor making you a better mother or being a mother of two making you a better humanitarian doctor? I just love it. And I want to start by saying that when I first got the invitation 
or the offer to be deployed as a humanitarian doctor by World Health Organization and United Nations last year, I was very torn because I was having two very young children, four and two. Mm. Going there for six weeks was a six weeks was a big deal. And so just being just being able to say yes was a huge thing because I actually hid that email. I didn't tell my husband or anybody about the offer because I told myself, if I say yes, I'm a terrible mom. Oh dear. <laughs> How did your husband react though? The funny thing was when I finally had the guts to share it with him, his response really amazed me. He actually said, you know, if the door has opened for you, then then you need to say yes. And he said, right. he was so surprised. He said, he said, this is what you've been waiting your whole life for. And the funny thing was, when I shared it with my children, of course, at first, they vehemently protested. <laughs> but the amazing thing was, uh, I remember sharing with my four-year-old at that time. I said, mommy's going to be going to Africa to help people in need. And I said, are you going to miss me? And she said, of course. But she said, and I told her, I said, I'm, I'm scared of many things. And I was able to share with her in very simple terms, of course, what I was doing. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm scared of making new friends. I'm scared of colleagues who are in the field and we're going to be working in an emergency setting. And the funny thing was, guess what she told me? Mm. She said, mommy, you have to be brave. If you meet people you don't know, tell them, hi, I'm Waijia, can I be your friend? <laughs> yeah, kids say the darndest things, but it's, it's the truth each and every time, isn't it? I know. Wow. And, and then I think the experience has not only marked me but marked them and now they're asking me they said that asking me things like mommy when are we relocating to help um, other people and so that experience has changed me as a, as a person but I think it, it's also changed my children mm-hmm. yeah. uh, out of curiosity uh, what does your husband do wow my husband used to be an IT person then he went on to be a pastor. And right now, he's in a season of being a stay-at-home dad after I became a stay-at-home mom. So this, is, <laughs> this is the funniest mix ever. I mean, but I guess the fact that he sees your kid a little bit more often being a stay-at-home dad does help in terms of manage your duties as a humanitarian doctor. For sure. And also, mm. uh, I, think, I think we see it as um, you know a part of our lives, even yeah. right now, because my children are still very young. So I scaled back from work part-time. Okay. And so in a sense, my work is very um, sporadic. It's like, you know, at times, there are times we can really enjoy time with the kids. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where there are outbreaks and their needs and I have to respond to that. Okay. And so that kind of helps us um, achieve a good balance, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talking about that six-week yeah. deployment to Africa as a WHO UNICEF uh, consultant, uh, yeah. basically you were there to help with the COVID-19 crisis. It was... A totally different situation as to what we experience here in developed countries, right? What was perhaps the most eye-opening experience while you were there? I would say that the, one of the most ex- amazing experiences was actually going to this village. It was a far-flung far village, mm-hmm. very far away. I remember the chief, he was kind of, you know, bare top and he had this animal skin that was wrapped around him. Wow. And I remember at that time, he... He was very against vaccination yeah. and our role was to go there and you know make sure that everything was all right and to kind of convince him about the benefits of vaccination and i remember things turned around when he said you guys are the first guys who've come to my village mm-hmm. to speak to me about this like face to face rather than like a top-down you know approach and because of that we managed to use his village as a pilot project that would be scalable to the rest of the other provinces and villages in the area. And that kind of was an encouragement to me because so often we think, 
will my effort make any difference? Will my sacrifice make any dent at all on the mm. system? And yet it was that hands-on, one-on-one experience that showed me the power of stopping for the one person because you just don't know the, the ripple effects that could come out of it. The human connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The mm. human connection, absolutely. Uh, so, Dr. Tam, we've talked about you being a mother, you being a doctor, your various overseas deployments, and there's this issue of you being an artist. <laughs> okay, where does this fit into the whole mix? Wow. I think the funny thing is, when I was young, when I was five years old, I told my dad, I said, I want to be a painter when I grow up. <laughs> he told me, that is the passport to poverty. Oh, no. Yeah, Welcome know. to Singapore <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> no, I know. It totally crushed me. And when I was in high school, he said, you know, if you study really hard and get straight A's, you can be anything you want. Mm. But I think I really misunderstood him because after I got straight A's, I told him I want to go to art school. Okay. And he told me flipped out. <laughs> <laughs> You can do what you want according to what I approve. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but the standing joke is that I still still love my dad and I'm so grateful for him because he told me that if if you become a doctor, you can still do art. But if you be an artist, you can't change your mind and want to practice medicine. I see. Okay. Is that the reason why, I mean, you kind of took a break from, from the world of art and then, you know, now that you have time, you pick it up again type of thing? Oh, wow. I, I'm not sure if that's the case because when I was 18, Kite Song was a picture book that I illustrated. Right. I think art has always been a part of my life. And since then, Kite Song Global, I, um, I mean, it came together after I had um, published four picture books, each raising funds and awareness for different causes like Mm-mm. eating disorders or women rescued from sex trafficking in developing countries. And right. so... I think art has always been a part of my life, but calligraphy in particular. Right now, there's an, um, a calligraphy exhibition that's going on at Orchard Central okay. uh, until the 19th of March. And that, that started from Plucky and Chinese New Year, then Novena. That whole thing started because it, it was very bizarre. I had stopped Chinese calligraphy for over 20 years wow. after winning the national championship at mm. the age of 12 because I started it at the age of 5. Wow. <laughs> that's very difficult, Chinese calligraphy. It was a very painful process. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dr. Tom, I want to talk a little bit about Kite Song Global. From, from what I'm seeing, it, it has a bit of an agenda to engage Generation Z, to engage the topic of mental health challenges. What inspired you to take this on? inspired me was my foray actually into social media on Instagram last year. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> you know, I'm a millennial, right? Millennial Facebook is our age. Yeah. But when I decided to venture into Instagram, I realized that, wow, it really was a portal. It opened up a door to engaging with young people who mm. started asking my husband and I a lot of questions about relationships, about navigating work and life and vocation. And I began to wonder to myself, how come these questions are not answered? in school or in faith-based communities or at home. And I realized that young people are turning to social media and YouTube for answers. And so I thought to myself, this is a huge untapped resource that we can actually engage young people and share the wisdom that we have, not through like a top-down approach, which they don't like, but more of a conversational uh, approach through Instagram Live, through YouTube channels and, and things like that. And so as, the, as, as these little um, you know, initiatives started, at first it was just a personal thing. But as they continued to grow, we realized that, wow, uh, we, we, we really needed staff and people to, to, to run these digital programs. Okay. And so when the funding that we projected became more and more, I, to be honest, I was intimidated. I was like, wow, this little non-profit Hobby mm. thing mm. is now this side gig is now becoming like real. Mm. <laughs> How am I going to do this? Like 
with a like a five figure program expense kind of thing. And so as I continue to mull upon it, this is how the calligraphy project became birthed. And I decided that, you know what? It's actually not so far-fetched because I've always used the art of storytelling yeah. and arts to yeah. raise funds and awareness for different things. And that's how I decided to take the leap. <laughs> Although I was very scared at first because oh, I hadn't written for 20 years. I can only imagine. So if we wanted to know more and we wanted to take a look at all of this on Instagram, uh, what is your Instagram handle that we can follow? Uh, it's my full name. So it's T-A-M. W-A-I-G-I-A. It's Tam Yijia. All right. Uh, I will definitely follow you. Do you think, and, and, and from what you've seen um, with these initiatives that you've started uh, via social media, do you see that next generation willing and wanting to be, uh, should we just call them world changers in that sense? Yeah, wow. I think young people are really genuine about changing the world. But I think with the world of social media and all these pressures around them to, you know, compare themselves with one another, it it can be really difficult. And I think there's just so much of my desire to be able to equip them with social emotional skills Mm -hmm. that we have gained through hard knocks in life, but equipping them with them because, you know, there's just so much pressure that's come out from social media. And I think deep down in every single person, every single gen Z, is this huge desire to dream bravely and live boldly to make a difference to their community. And so I feel our role in Kite Song Global is really just to come alongside them, to really uh, encourage them, journey with them, and to help inspire them to, to dream big again. Mm. Yeah, so my team is actually putting together a Dreams Grant that we hope to launch later um, this year or next year to deal with young people, um, mentor them and help breathe life into those dreams that are buried or um, they might think that's too silly. Almost like my own journey when I thought it was crazy to do a picture book, that one person who believed in me made all the difference. Mm. I've been speaking with Dr. Tam Waitia, who is humanitarian doctor and CEO, founder, Kite Song Global. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for everything that you've shared with us. Thank you. It's so much my pleasure. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.